Welcome. Hello. It's me, Johnny Ross, and Pascal Fintoni. We are here. We're celebrating the launch of the 90-day website mastery program. This is the podcast, and it's a way to celebrate, but also to welcome the completion of our webinar series that we uh, did as well. And we wanted to find a way to continue to share more advice and insights about making your website work harder and for you to feel proud about your website again. Each episode will consist of four segments. Uh, we are live. We're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. We're live on LinkedIn. If you've got any comments or uh, anything you'd like to share, please do use the, the, uh, the chat. But at the same time, you could be listening on the podcast Thank you for being a fabulous listener and being with us right now uh, and and uh, and being there. You're right, Pascal. I'm very well, thank you very much. I mean, th this is something I look forward to. I mean, I look forward to all form of content creation, but to have this focus on website, to have this focus on building a brand via content creation, but really reconnecting with your true voice is something I look forward to. And it gives us a chance to catch up. And this is what I do now. I create content only for the purpose of catching with my friends properly. I absolutely love it. Uh, each episode, we have four segments. We have the You Ask, We Answer, where uh, someone's potentially submitted a, a question from the community. We've researched and looked into it um, or uh, or something that we've stumbled across. Website Stories is a, an article or a podcast or a, an infographic that we've reviewed and some of the lessons learned from that that we want to share with the, uh, the website engine room where we've got uh, myself and Pascal will share an app or a software solution that will make your life easier as a website uh, manager or content creator. And lastly, the website call to action. We give you one change or adjustment that you could be making to your website right now to help you on that journey of feeling proud of your website. So without further ado, I'm going to go into the first segment, which is You Ask, We Answer. Thank you again, Johnny, for this amazing intro a moment ago. So this, for this episode, a question that was asked very recently during a project. So this is all to do with either relaunching a project, maybe a program, maybe a business. And you, of course, one of the many things on the checklist to get right is to buy the website to drive, sometimes called the URL or other terms. And the client went on those the many platforms you can you know very well to 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 buy that domain name, and they were faced with what I call the marketing of online marketing, which is a long list of domain name extensions from .com to .eu to .inventory to .edu whatever, and they just felt almost obligated to buy all of them, almost for fear of, well, if I don't, the competition or someone, <clears throat> excuse me, is going to clone my site and do this. So the question I suppose that was asked was, should I buy all domain extension from my website? Over to you, Johnny. I think there's a fine line. I think there's a, a, a bit of brand protection. Um, I think uh, you've got to be uh, conscious of what the future is. Are you wanting to be global? Or are you wanting to be hyper-local? And so the obvious ones are buying the .co.uk and the .com. Uh, perhaps something relevant. So, for example, uh, my website, I have one of my businesses is Fleek Marketing. So we have a, a .marketing extension, Fleek.marketing. But we, we also consider fleekmarketing.co.uk and .com. But then... On the other side, you could end up going way too far and buying way too many things. And the reality is that 
apart from brand protection, there's not a lot of other value that these domain names have. And actually, it's so easy to just add a hyphen or add, you know, a, a, a dot or another another short word, and all of a sudden you've got a whole combination of, you know, hundreds of more domain names. So, you know, the, if you go on the journey of starting to 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 buy domain names, actually, it could end up thousands, and you could end up wasting a huge amount of money. Yeah. So to be clear, because the question then the conversation carried on, and I was asked by. Uh, you know the project team, or does it help with SEO if we, did, we could do a .com versus an, another one? And well, I give them the answer, but uh, again, Johnny, your own views on this myth about domain names? Some domain names do better than others uh, with SEO. I think there certainly was a factor many years ago where a .com or a .co.uk had more authority. Uh, however, I don't believe that's the case now, and. And, and also the, the key thing to bear in mind is that having extra domain names brings you no additional SEO uh, mm. unless you're creating multiple websites and then you've got to be very careful about how you do that and why you're doing that. But if, you're, if, if you've got one website, even if you buy 20 domains, it's not going to have any SEO value on having those domains. But yeah, in terms of the extension itself, I don't believe uh, that the that there's a. I think it is a myth uh, in terms of the the authority that that uh, extension has now. Yeah. So, so for me, then, if if we move from from the extension, what, what's after the dot? Then we can have a conversation about what just before, and and it's just great because you get into this realm of you know, do we go for the business name? Do we go for the product uh, and service? Do we go for the individuals? And and the decision is born out of you know what your strategy uh, suggests you know and, and I think sometimes people need to remember that you know the website is there to serve business goals. What's your view on that, Johnny? Yeah, so there is unfortunately um, having keywords in a domain name can help. Um, however. Uh, it comes to the bigger picture of what's the brand and what's the you know what what are you trying to get across and what's the feeling you want to get across what's the the, the look and the size of the business so you can get a bit hung up in in terms of trying to keyword stuff a domain name but if there's a natural uh, reason to have a keyword in a domain name, then it then it does make sense. So if you're you know a law firm and you include the word solicitors because that's actually the title of the the company, then that makes sense. But but if you're just going for a, for keyword rich uh, away from the brand, then then I'm not sure that's the best answer. So um, yeah, it, there's uh, the, the, there's a um, you've got to be you've got to be mindful of as Pascal said the bigger picture. And just to close on, on on this question, I mean, clearly it's an important one and, and people asking it regularly. I also was saying to my customers, don't forget, you know, that you have web pages. So after the domain name, forward slash, and then you could have, you know, based on research, all the keywords that you're so anxious to have on your domain name. So don't feel the need to have a 10-word domain name dot, you know, .com because you, the URLs of the web pages themselves, which are more likely to rank oddly better than, than the homepage, is going to also help you out. So combination of business strategy, knowing the audience. Um, I mean, when we were looking at the um, extension, I said, why don't you do a survey? Do a survey with your customers and say, I'm thinking of, and these are four examples. Would those domain name extension have uh, an impact on you in terms of credibility, trustworthiness, or are you nonplussed? And the likelihood is customers 
don't really care about the domain name extension because they're going to react to your content marketing effort and they're going to click on the link via a search results page or, or more. They're not going to study, you know, what what you've done after the, 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 the what's after the dot. I have, although I have seen for the for the people out there that are really your sort of data monkeys that absolutely love data and analytics and and experiments and really want fine detail before they make decisions. I've seen one strategy is to run a pay per click campaign with two or three different domain names to see what gets the click. Does the domain does the different domain name get more clicks from a particular audience? And so if you really are desperate to uh, to, to get buy data and you know potentially waste money or potentially invest money uh, uh, to get a truer uh, picture, then try a pay-per-click campaign. Yeah, again, that's, that's research. Brilliant. Well, let's continue this conversation and react to something altogether different. We're going to move from a question to content with website stories. So in each episode, Johnny and I choose an article, a podcast, a video, maybe an infographic, something that can really help us reflect on what it means to run a website in today's economy. And we've gone for an article published on PR Daily by Alison Carter, and the title is as follows, Four Reasons No One Is Reading Your Content. And I thought, wow, I mean, to begin with, talk about you know using a number you know, to get intrigue, create intrigue, but also this storytelling element in the title of no one is reading your content, which is pretty much you know, either what we're concerned about or the reality. So I'm going to go through all four very quickly. Number one, your headline or subject line is boring. Number two, you published at the wrong time. Three, your story is in the wrong format. And four, the story is not relevant to your audience. So I'm going to go into the first two, Johnny, give you a bit more information and then invite you to react so with the headline um being boring i mean that's the one way to, to get someone's attention but it's either that you've been too generous and the headline gives everything away so there is no motivation for the audience to read on and that could be true for the first line on the social media post all the way to a, an article on your website or you've gone the other way you've, you've gone so secretive that in a way there is nothing in there for the audience to um, to get excited about, and it comes across as a bit dull. So the solution here would be to reread your own story, and there's nothing wrong to go back and change, you know, the, the headline, which is in fact, you know, the the, the H one you were asking us to pay attention to in the previous episode. Number two, you published at the wrong time, and Alison which is a view that I share, say, yeah, you can go online and, and Google this and find studies about the best days and time of the day and, and so on. But these are, you know, very global overviews from a very large data set. And the likelihood is it doesn't actually, uh, you're going to be the exception that confirms the rule and your audience behaves very differently. So what is required here is for you to understand behavior in terms of when and how do people consult in you know, their inbox? When do they consult social media? When do they visit websites? And marry up your activities and publishing schedule accordingly. Look at your analytics, something that I'm sure you're going to also be in agreement with. And just understand that you're going to have to you know, learn through through testing. So the first two for you, with a bit more information from Alison, what are your views on that? 
Yeah, the the whole thing with headline is it's it's you know that that word of clickbait. So it's it's trying to get people to click, isn't it? But not giving them something that's so clickbaity that when they get there they're really disappointed. So it the, again it's trying to tread the 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 line of finding uh, finding something that fits that's that's really going to appetize and entice um without over-egging it uh and uh, and so yeah i think uh headlines are uh can make a, a huge difference time of day i i agree with you um i think that potentially uh that could be some kind of red herring because uh in term because because you know it's more about when you potentially post it on social when you uh shout not shout about it but you know dare I, dare I use that word but when you when you uh re, when you talk about it uh and introduce it uh not necessarily exactly when it was published on the website so I wouldn't get too hung up about that um but I, I know you've not got to point three and four yet but for me I think I always ask myself the question we're all busy aren't we we are all busy people we've got lots to do we don't have enough time time is 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 not on our side so the real question is if i was one of my potential clients or customers what would i what would make me spend 5 6 7 minutes reading or listening to something what would be what would be good enough for me to stop doing what i'm doing to engage with that content and i always ask myself that question before i produce content no, absolutely right. And and what is interesting is this, the the theme through and the thread has been audience, audience preferences, behavior, things that you learn by um, being out and about and networking, if you can, or by looking at data and everything else. So on that very point, the last two were your stories in the wrong format, interesting to use the term story, not content or article, and your story is not relevant. So uh, the point that Alison is making in the article is that in a perfect world, we would be creating the same story in different formats for different audiences. But that is just not achievable for many of us. You know, time is against us, resources. It's a tough one. So it's almost coming up with the um, the, the median, you know, the, the, the kind of happy um, medium, and then using promote content promotion with and repurposing to your advantage. So again, learn from the audience. If you know your content is too long, think about making it shorter or use video. If they don't watch video, then think about writing. But you have to understand that people have preferred format. Uh, and I, I see this this evidence all of the time. But the good thing is, it's easier than ever before now to switch format. And then finally, being relevant. I mean, that's something that we talk about extensively on the program 90 Day Website Mastery, because ultimately, uh, the, the website project is not a technical project. It's a human interaction project, if you will. So... What she's saying is, you know, this will happen to you. The more you want to learn about the audience, the more content you produce, there will be time where it's a dud. It won't work. But what you can do is learn. So question is, why did it not work on this occasion? Why was it that prompted me to do this content? Was that was, it, was it under pressure by the client, the boss, or was I following a trend that I misread? And, you know, what is it that I can do to communicate better the next time around? Because this will happen. The more the frequent you are in the content creation, the more you will have the highs and the lows. Yeah, being being careful. It's not just content for the sake of content and, and, and ensuring that you absolutely have a purpose every single time. 
No, absolutely. So, listen, it was a simple article, and we'll have the the link in the in, in the um, in the show notes. But it's one that you want to almost circulate around the office or around your your kind of um, network, and kind of go back to this idea of, you know, as we're getting better at content creation, the temptation is to do more faster, but in the process, I see evidence that people are forgetting about the audience time and time again. Time to move on and make life a little easier as content creators on the base subject with the website Engine Room. I always look forward to this segment because I do not know what Johnny is going to present to all of you an app, a solution, an online kind of bit of tech that can really speed things up for all of us as website managers. So what have you got for us this time, Johnny? So, Pascal, you talked about uh, Answer the Public um, a few episodes ago, Mm -hmm. uh, a great way to be able to find questions that people are typing, actively typing into Google. And that gives you a purpose to be able to start producing content because it's it's what people are asking, it's what people are searching, uh, and it, it's it's the things that people are wanting to know. The tool that I'm wanting to uh, mention today is whatpeopleask.net. It's a free version of Answer the Public. So it's whatpeopleask.net. The link will be in the show notes. Uh, and as I said, it's a great way to be able to get uh, from a big data set uh, uh, what are people typing into Google? What are people, what are the questions people are asking? Because that's their problems, that's the solutions they're wanting. And if you can produce content around that, then you know you're at least halfway there in terms of starting that engagement uh, and giving them the answers that they're wanting. So the app for me today is whatpeopleask.net. Nah. And you know, we're just talking about relevancy and and um, but also it's it's what we would have done you and I by studying newspapers, by having conversation, by networking. And I'm talking about a time before the internet, or uh, you know, as um, dominant as it is now on our marketing. So to have that, you know, uh, reporting back to you, you know, I, I'm excited at this moment in time about this idea of having um, artificial assistant when, in the world of marketing. So it's a double A, AA, it's not AI, but it is powered by AI. This idea of I need to know this to inform my strategy and content creation effort. And you've got things like people, what people ask.net. And can I just say this is a perfect domain name as well for, for a product, <laughs> isn't it? It certainly is. <laughs> so for me, Johnny, again, inspired by recent um, work with clients, this idea of delegating some of the website management and content creation effort to either um, colleagues or external you know uh, um, support and this business of having to explain how you do what you do and it's hard you know it's hard and people have tried a few things like recording a, a zoom call where they have a monologue and they record and they fly through on the cms or or whichever or they've tried things like um bullet point step-by-step guide all this takes a lot of time so what i'm hearing from my customers yeah yeah and i know pascal you've said i should delegate but i've not had the time to do it and i've not had the time to create you know the the how-to guide so they're still not moving forward so what we've looked at is a um, solution called scribe and so in a context of a, an assistant, I want you to imagine you have someone next to you, sat next to you, that is writing down what you would say to somebody else in terms of, of a guide. And what Scribe does, it does 
two things. It does screen capture as you go through the process, maybe, of creating an article, but it also starts to put annotations or be- the beginning of annotation, and you can go back in and overwrite it. So, And then very quickly, you have the best of two worlds, a visual guide, but more with static images because video can be tr- tricky to follow as tutorial. You, know, you have to pose and then, what did he do again? Or what did she say? And then the annotation is, is very, very important. And they have two versions. There's like a Chrome extension, which allow you to try it for free. But if you are in the business of, of having to maybe even educate customers about how to use a payment gateway, or if you, are, you have a website which has a community element to it, Johnny, and you want to explain how to get the most out of the different features, I think Scribe could be definitely a great artificial assistant. And you know, the other gap that it fills as well is more and more uh, businesses are looking to outsource uh, tasks to outsource um, uh, and, uh, and, and to, well, I was about to say processes, but in terms of outsourcing a task, you need to create a process. And if you can create a, a process and a, and a structure, it makes it a lot easier to get a virtual assistant to be able to do things. And how this fills that gap uh, is is brilliant. Uh, it's uh, uh, I wasn't aware of the tool, but I fully understand the concept. Mm. Um, and um, uh, I'm talking to many of my clients. Uh, one of the constant pain points is is admin, um, and uh, and you know it's so easy to um, find virtual assistants nowadays, uh, and and this tool then gives you the power to be able to give them an uh, an instruction book. Absolutely, or you could reverse it. So you, know, you, you have a meeting, you you went through the step by step guide. I would say verbally or via Zoom or another platform, ask them to then document what they ha- they have understood. Um, that's a very good. You can tell I'm a trainer at heart. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Right. Um, so it's twofold. It's uh, internal or external. And I've seen many examples. People saying, "Oh, this is a new platform, or this is a, a new payment gateway." You know, familiar with it. You know, wherever there may be hesitation, this is how you can use it. Or you know, bear in mind what you've said. The, using Scribe, you could begin by how you use whatpeopleask.net all the way to creation on the website, all the way to social media uh, marketing and so on. So just one of many, but it's this this idea of, yes, Pascal, I know I have to delegate. Yes, Johnny, I know I have to find a VA. I've not had the time to create the, the tutorials when now, now you can. Well, actually, on the subject of taking action. So we move on to the final segment, the website call to action. So this is about the one change, the one adjustment, this one small action that can have a big, big impact on your business and your website. Johnny, what is the call to action for today? So this is a very small action but it could really make quite a difference when someone goes on your website and scrolls to the bottom and checks you out. The date, the copyright date, the date at the bottom of your website, what year is it? Because I would suggest that if you all check your websites, it's not always this year. And that can have a huge impact on what people think about how up-to-date your website is and how up-to-date your knowledge is more importantly uh, of your products and services. So one simple call to action or one simple action, sorry, is go onto your website, 
go scroll to the footer and have a look at the date and make sure it's this year. And you could even go to your web developer and ask them to automate it so that it's always the correct year. Um, but one small thing that can really send either the right message or a very wrong message to potential customers and clients. This is superb. I see it all, all the time. And, and people can say, no, Johnny, people don't go to the footer. They do. Oh, they do. Why? Because you've got hyperlinks, you've got privacy policies, you've got also in the UK and other part of Europe, you have to have all your company registration details and so on. So this is part of validation. So perfect. I mean, what I've done, uh, very much like you said, with my developers, I've got the year I launched a business on the, on the website and then the current year. So it also adds to longevity uh, as a key message. My call to action is like yours. It's a very simple one, but a very powerful one. So I want people to look back at social media. But wait, wait, we're going, we're going to come back to the website in a moment. So look at social media, look at your dashboard, and look at the best performing post for the last few months. And then I'm going to talk about repurposing up. Call to action number one, if you have a post that has performed well, that relates to content in website to simply embed that on the article it would add visual interest it would add additional content to look into but it's working already people are going to see the comments or reactions all the loves and likes and and more so bring that into the website environment or if you don't have content on website already but this social media post has worked well you have all the reaction then repurpose up and create a standalone article inspired by the social media post and you can use this as the intro for that new bit of content on your website i like it and it really backs up uh the theme of today i think which is starting to feel very much around uh the relevancy and mm -hmm. making sure that things are uh are on point in terms of actually am i producing content that people are actually wanting and by looking at the social media post what's performed well well that's going to really uh, help you achieve that as well no absolutely and i mean this is it you know i, I kind of mentioned it a moment ago the website i i, I granted to begin with feels like a technical project and your decision you know are not however born out of your understanding of the technology it's all to do with your understanding of the audience their wishes for the future, their, their doubts and anxieties in, in the present, and what you've done to create an offer that is articulated in so many different ways, from a direct uh, promotional uh, page all the way to more conversational content through articles and blogs and so on. And, and we, we, we will keep on insisting on, on that point, I think, in, in the coming episodes as well. So we've thought about the domain name today. We've thought about whether it should have keywords or not. We've thought about, do we have to buy every extension under the sun? And our answer is, no, you don't. Um, protect your brand to some extent, but uh, but not all the way. Uh, we've then talked about uh, content and how to make sure that people are actually going to click, but more so spend time listening or reading. We've given you some great tools as well. Your reflection on today's uh, episode, Pascal, anything's jumped out for you? What's the theme for you? The thing is, these are actually very simple questions, very simple actions, but what you get back in terms of your uh, st good standing in your industry and the impression you give to your future customers is quite significant. And and that to me has been always sometimes the, the kind of magic of digital. It's a simple action. It's a simple adjustment and um, to your mindset sometimes and to the action. But what you get back in, in return is almost disproportionate. Guerrilla marketing, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, 
Guys, that is it for today. This was episode eight of our new podcast series, the audio companion to the 90-day website mastery program. For more information, please visit 90daymarketingmastery.com. You'll be able to book a call uh, with either myself or Pascal. We will be back with another episode. In the meantime, feel free to send your questions, share your preferred app and links to your website once you've made the changes we spoke about. And we'd love to give you a shout out. We want you feeling proud of your website. Bye for now, everyone. And we'll leave you with a fun video and audio montage whilst you go through your notes and actions. See you all soon. Take care.